And that's particularly what I love about our program is I just I appreciate the cohort model because these women get to know each other. And then when they do go on to run for office, you know, they can contact them and be supported by them or be reminded by them about how to do X, Y, or Z, because, you know, it's impossible to remember it all and no one runs and wins alone. And so these women go on to support other women in the network in their political goals. In her first speech as vice president-elect, Kamala Harris said, I may be the first, but won't be the last. Kamala's victory was a huge achievement, but we still have work to do. In the United States, women make up 51% of the population, but account for only 24% of the Senate and 27% of the House of Representatives. My guest and I will talk about what she is doing to change that. This is Voting Now, turning rights into reality. We are a podcast series created by lawyers for everyone. We are produced by the Oregon chapter of the Federal Bar Association and the Oregon Historical Society. Our goal is to tackle the sticky questions about democracy through the lens of voting access. Welcome to our new season. This is Rachel Saure, and I am thrilled to be joined by Jillian Shoney. Jillian has worked for many Oregon elected officials and campaigns, including Governors Kitzhopper, Kulangoski, and Brown, as well as Congresswoman Bonamici and Multnomah County Chair Deborah Kafori. Since 2014, Jillian has been the executive director for Emerge Oregon and trained many of the women who are now elected officials on how to run a political campaign. Thank you so much for joining us, Jillian. It's so nice to talk to you. Good to see you. Just talk to you, Rachel. I really appreciate you joining us to tell us about Emerge Oregon. Could you start by telling us what Emerge Oregon is? So we are a political organization that recruits and trains and really encourages Democratic women to run for all levels of elected office in the state, from local office all the way to statewide and congressional office. That's fantastic. So how exactly does the program work and what's its overall goal? So we certainly see us as sort of the foundational entry point for most of our women who come to us and are interested in serving their communities in elected office, because there are a variety of ways to serve one's community. But we focus on elected office, but how to run and even how to file and raise money legally, all of that is is a mystery to most folks, and understandably so. It is actually a rare thing to run for office. So we bring women in and we just try to, we give them all the information we can, which is a ton of information, to just give them that foundation so they have a jumping off point as they you know, graduate from our program and then continue to explore if serving their community in elected office is right for them. It sounds like since you are giving them a lot of information, you probably have to do that over the course of a few sessions. How much time are they spending with you learning about how to run for office? We usually train, you know, in a pre-COVID world, we train in person. We spend all day on a Saturday, seven or eight Saturdays with like little bits of homework uh, in between to teach women all the things that they need to know about a campaign, whether it's sort of the why they're running, you know, their values, what they want to protect and change about their community. And then all of the things that you have to do as a candidate, like raise money and knock on doors, all that voter contact. And then of course the social media piece. So we go through all of those various pieces over seven to eight days with women in the same room 
And that's particularly what I love about our program is I, I just, I appreciate the cohort model because these women get to know each other and then they become close with a handful of the other program members who, when they do go on to run for office, you know, they can contact them and be supported by them or be reminded by them about how to do X, Y, or Z, because, you know, it's impossible to remember it all and no one runs and wins alone. And so these women go on to support other women in the network in their political goals. So then why are you involved in this? Why is this mission really important to you? Well, I think, um, oh my goodness, because what, for centuries, (laughs) we only had men, (laughs) white men, in elected office. And I believe fundamentally just that better public policy decisions are made when you have elected officials that represent the diversity of any given community. And that's diversity in all ways. That's age, that's race, that's gender, that's lived experiences, that's socioeconomic. And I think if you have people who represent that beautiful diversity of a community that the decisions that they are making will be um, much more effective when they're implemented. In your experience, are you seeing that women are entering into elected office with different mindsets or different ways of doing things or, or what's your experience been in that? Yeah. When I've seen our women take office, there's definitely, and, and I don't want to say it's, it's a women versus men because there have been some great elected leaders who are, are men. So we also, we want to celebrate those folks as well. But generally speaking, you know, I see our women spending more time and energy engaging community, doing those external communications and going out into community to engage, whether it's a community-based organization or a community leader or just, you know, regular folks like you and I. I also see them asking questions from certainly a working parent, working mom, childcare, you know, the ways they look differently at, you know, even our systems of public education or healthcare and its intersection with women. Like they just bring an entirely different framework to the work. And that's a good thing. So it sounds like you've had the opportunity to see some elected officials who are women change policies in ways that have had an impact that you haven't seen before for women in childcare. Is that the case? Absolutely. And I think, you know, reproductive health, of course, is is an easy one to go to, but an incredibly important one to go to that we didn't have reproductive health equity in this state until we had a ton of women down in our state legislature fighting for it. And now we have the Reproductive Health Equity Act in law. We will soon have um, better child care programs in place because of women. We will soon have paid family medical leave in place because of women's leadership. So then what has Emerge's impact in Oregon, Ben, that you've seen, whether in numbers or general trends that you're seeing? Well, I think we're just, we're starting to see that progressive, and by progressive in this sense, I mean family success, right? What does it take these days for working families, both the parents and the children to be successful in life? And we're seeing those progressive policies be discussed, debated, and passed. And then there's rulemaking around actually getting those laws implemented. But, you know, these things are long past due. Paid family medical leave was, we just passed it. It's not yet implemented, but, you know, holy heck. 
it should have been in place decades ago. And because we now have women in office, that policy is about to become real. Can you tell me how many women have gone through the Emerge Oregon program? And then also, if you know, how many who are now elected that have been through the Emerge Oregon program? We have over 300 alum across the state. 90 are holding elected office right now, but we've had some women hold elected office and have, you know, finished their terms and um, are no longer in office. And that number sits around 115. Wow, that's a lot. I mean, I think there's a lot of attention, you know, on the state level and the congressional level, but we have women that are just thriving in leadership roles at the school board and parks and district levels. And that is where, in in city councils, I should say, and that is really where, you know, policy is implemented really quickly and impacts people's lives immediately. And so I just think there's, there's good work up and down, um, up and down sort of the scale of elected offices. And it's great to watch. Do you spend a fair amount of time trying to find people to recruit for certain types of offices? Or do you wait and see who applies to the program? I mean, I think in the beginning of Emerge, we had a lot of women sort of coming to us, really wanting to be in the program. This is something that they were thinking about and they didn't have a place to go to. I think we're now, we still have that dynamic where we are much well, you know, we are well known now. Um, We're 10 years into our work, but I would say we're also in that active targeted recruitment because now we're sort of pulling in women from a variety of places in Oregon and in sectors that just have never really thought about elected office. They really haven't been political in their lives. And that's okay. We are now really pulling them in and saying, no, we need somebody with your background in elected office. So you should take our program and think about serving your community in this way. It's great to hear you guys have been able to become just more proactive about what the program looks like as it gains traction. It's been in Oregon for how many years? We're in our 11th year. And how long have you been the executive director? About half of that. And so I'm actually about ready to pass. I am actually actively passing the torch. Um, I am onboarding the new executive director right now. Because you're looking to find people for certain types of roles and Emerge is becoming a better known entity in the state, which is very large, I would imagine you have to balance things like the spectrum of values in the Democratic Party, as well as differences in what urban, suburban, and rural areas, what runs there would look like. How do you do that? And sort of getting the the, the class, when we, when we recruit and review applications for and interview the women who have applied for any class of women, we do want that, we'll call it a healthy mix for the purposes of this um, conversation, because we would be failing in our job if we were only recruiting and training women in the very bluest parts of our state. And we have always paid attention to that. We don't um, fill all the spots with women from Portland. In fact, we try our best to reach out to the more rural parts of the state. And we've got a lot of work to do. But anytime we can find a, a woman from Bend or um, Pendleton, Kalamath Falls, you know, that is just amazing. That Those are women that we definitely need to be working with, that we need to train them up and encourage them to run because 
most likely in their communities, the left side of the spectrum is probably not being represented. No one else on that city council or school board probably shares your values. And so getting them ready to run is incredibly important, I think, for the long-term health of democracy in our state. Having done this work for quite a few years, do you have a favorite story or two you could share with us so we can hear about some of the things you have found to be successful or learning moments? I mean, I would say my favorite story is sort of a, a, I'll go with like sort of a comprehensive one. I mean, I just think it's amazing. And I've loved the experience of being in a women's only space. It's really empowering. And, you know, watching the women learn and connect with one another and then watching them on the campaign trail volunteer for one another, like going to a candidate kickoff for a canvas and there's you know 15 to 20 emerge women there all helping this one other emerge woman you know win this race is incredibly powerful like I love the team energy around it and it's it's just really inspiring women do a great job of coming together for each other it is wonderful to see that I think that every time I see posts on social media involving Emerge Women, there's inevitably at least a few others in that photo or event with them. I believe you've had several races now where multiple Emerge Women are running against each other for the same office. And so what have you had to do to try to support them in that situation? First, you know, may the best woman win. (laughs) Period. (laughs) Like running for office is a competition. So, you know put your big girl panties on and go for it, run hard and run fast. But you know, I, I operate with transparency. I do, I offer to all of those candidates who are running against each other that you can, you know, call me anytime. If you have a question about something that we taught in the program and you can't quite remember that I am here and available to, you know, remind you and and direct you where you can get that information or whatnot. But, um, you know, I tell them all that I take calls from all the candidates and that, you know, I'm just I'm happy to be for them as they want to engage me. And it's I leave it I leave it up to them, honestly. But I think that I've built trust with most of these women that they, you know, they know I'm not going to, you know, violate a particular strategy or an idea they have by sharing it with another person. That's just not the culture that I would ever want to participate in. And so I just love it though, when, let me back up here for a second, Rachel, and say that in the program, I really try to redefine winning because even if you lose, if you have gone out there and you ran your butt off and you worked hard and you just, you performed well, other doors open for you. Because at the end of the day, everybody who voted for you, everybody who met you on the campaign trail, like they're going to remember that. And even our alum who have lost have received calls after election day saying, hey, I voted for you or I watched you run for office. And would you be interested in serving on this board or doing this? Or I hope you run again is a constant theme that many of our candidates get even when they lose. So I think as women keeping in mind that a run for office is like a public job interview and that every relationship you build throughout that experience can bring you something after election day, win or lose and, and approaching it in that way. Like it just, there's benefits to it. I love the way that you look at that, how it's not just about winning a race and there's so much more that you're doing for yourself and the community and being part of running that race at all. 
but it sounds like you're also probably very, very busy if you are offering to support any Emerge woman running for office during her campaign. Does your phone ever stop ringing? <laughs> no, not really, because campaigns are just fast moving vehicles, right? And so, and there's a, there's a time limit. There are only so many days between now and election day. And, you know, a rule of thumb with campaigns is, you know, as long as you get enough done on that to-do list for the day, you're winning, right? You've probably, you've talked to some voters or you, you know, wrote an email, you raised a little cash, returned those phone calls or whatever it is. Like, as long as you're getting enough done on any given election day, you know, you're doing a good job. Um, Most of our women who run are also working parents. And so, a campaign is like the third or fourth thing on their plate. And so at any rate, you know, when they have a question or they're looking for, you know, a phone number for somebody or whatever, I try to respond as quickly as possible because I know the time is ticking <laughs> down to election day. Well, you have a lot of things on your plate. So I'm thrilled that you're so dedicated to helping the program produce really great candidates and elected officials. So you were the executive director of Emerge during the 2016 election. I was wondering if you could tell us about what the impact of Trump's election had on you personally and emerge the program. Well, I think, I mean, just to quickly address that personally, I think it was devastating. I mean, I just, I just truly was devastating to wake up that day. What got me out of my bed was the fact that, well, two things happened on the emerge front. One, the second that he became the nominee. And then it was clear, I would say it's twofold. It was also clear that Hillary Clinton was the Democratic nominee, right? We had women coming to us. Like there was a spike. The second Hillary um, was the nominee, it just, there was, there was a wave at that point. And then, as you know, like when we all woke up on November 9th or whatever that day was after that awful night. (laughs) Um, We got a second bump. So during that year, I just think, I mean, a lot of, a lot of women put elected office on their, like, maybe I will do this someday list. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, it was, I guess that was a silver lining. And has that increase in people interested in Emerge continued since that time? Oh God, yes. We have hundreds of applicants across the state who start the application process. We end up interviewing about 80 women on average a year. It was down a little bit this year because of COVID, of course. Um, You know, a lot of our women are working parents, as we've talked about, and they're homeschooling children right now. So, you know, adding on a, you know, a program is is hard right now. But um, I assume once we're past this pandemic that we'll we'll jump back up. Some people may have listened to this and thought, I would love to do this type of work Jillian is describing she gets to do for Emerge. So I was hoping you could give everyone a little bit of background on what got you into this position as far as work or skills or whatever you think is important for people to consider. Well, I first worked after college, I first worked for elected officials. So once they were in elected office, um, from doing scheduling to to case work services, constituent services and communications, media relations in particular for elected officials. And then it was after about 10 years of that, that I jumped to the campaign side. I worked a variety of campaigns and it was after 
that next several years that I took over as um, executive director of Emerge. So it was, I would say it was both experiences because I know whenever I'm talking to a woman who says, oh, I want to run for city council or governor or whatever it is, like, I know what I'm signing them up for because I've worked for elected officials. I've worked inside government. It's not an easy job. Like, we focus solely on the campaign, which is hard. But once you're in elected office, I mean, the thing about winning is that you then now have this new job. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of energy. And it's just, it's not easy. And so... um, I just have so much respect for what's on the back end of winning a campaign that, um, but it's my experience having worked for elected officials that has really made that difference. I would imagine that insight into what it takes to be in the office and to get there is very helpful to the people that you are working with rather than just guessing at it. Mm -hmm. I think you, I think everybody, anybody who observes an elected body, whether it's a school board or city council or the state legislature, like it's, you are navigating not only what is the best public policy and all the research and community engagement that needs to happen around all of that, but you've got however many number of people that you have to negotiate with to get what you want passed. Like, and that's a kind of negotiation that I don't think most people have exposure to before they're in elected office. So then what's next for Emerge and what's next for you since you mentioned you are actively onboarding a new executive director? Well, I'm going to stay on in an advisor role for a while. I will probably never, ever truly leave Emerge. Um, Once I'm done with, you know, the advisor role, I may move on to the board or something, but I will always help women run for office for the rest of my life. But in terms of what's next for Emerge, I mean, if there are folks listening from like Eastern Oregon, Southern Oregon, or the coast in particular, God, I would say the coast, I want to highlight the coast of Oregon. Like we really need women who are interested in serving their communities in this way to um, go to our website (laughs) read the basic information, give us a call. We're happy to answer any questions because we've got a lot of bench building that needs to happen out there. I think there's a statistic about women are more likely to run if somebody's asked them to rather than them making the decision on their own. Exactly. And I do think that is changing though. It used to be, and and, and I should say it, it still exists today. This dynamic still exists, but I, I do think things are changing women do have to be asked to run for office. They are just less likely to identify it themselves and go and do it. And part of why Emerge exists is because we are that ask, or we are one of those asks. Like, we are interested in having you run for office. Come in here. Let's learn some things. And then also, you know, to get somebody to run for office, you know, the family has to be on board and, their closest friends and family, Um, not just their, you know, their partner, if they have a partner, but we all need to be encouraging the people in our life who we think would be good elected leaders. We, we need to be telling them that because quite frankly, whether it's a woman or anyone of any gender identity, we just need good leadership. If, if we have not learned that over the last four years with Donald Trump in office, that democracy is all of our responsibilities, including recruiting and choosing our elected leaders. Like, you know, I think I think we've all learned that now, I hope. So we are asking everyone this one final question. What is your voting ritual? So 
you know, with vote by mail here in Oregon, I stock my mailbox <laughs> after ballots have been mailed. <laughs> you know, because it takes several days for the county to get them out. But the second that envelope is dropped into my mailbox, I rip it out of there. I rip it open. I fill it out. And then I drive it to the county elections office as fast as I can. I like to be first. <laughs> I doubt anyone else has told you that. But like, there was one May year where I'm pretty dang sure I was first. And as best as the county could tell me, I was first to vote in that May special election. So that's always my goal. Which is weird. <laughs> people, yeah, it's weird. Lots of people like wait to the last day. I don't. Well, you probably also are well aware of what your plan is with the vote since you're so involved anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't think, yes. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Jillian. I really appreciate you chatting with me about Emerge today. As usual, it's always wonderful to talk with you and hear about what's happening at Emerge. Thank you. Good to talk to you. This has been an episode of Voting Now, Turning Rights into Reality, a new podcast series from the Oregon chapter of the Federal Bar Association in collaboration with the Oregon Historical Society. We focus on current and historical barriers to voting. Want to find out more? Hit subscribe to check out our episodes and visit our website, voting-now.com. Celia Howes is the lead host and executive producer. Brand Masters is our creative director. Miranda Schaefer is our producer, and Gabriel Grineo is our senior editor. Special thanks to Fiona McCann.